0: Run to Old Navy for your favorite Old Navy Active styles. Compression leggings and Old Navy Active pants are just $12 for adults, $10 for kids, two days only, tomorrow and Sunday at old OldNavy Valid 1-5 to 1-6, select styles only.
1: Block
2: Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. One of the most informative and entertaining
3: talk radio shows today. From social issues and trending topics to sex and relationships. No subject is ever taboo.
2: So join us now for Real People, Real Topics, Real Talk.
3: Let's face it.
4: Happy Sunday, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. It is Sunday, August the 23rd. I'm your host, Will Strayhorn.
2: Alicia Brown. Liz Garrett.
0: Nate Whitfield.
3: And Shay Malone.
4: (laughs) You guys are something else. I love you guys, though.
3: Um, (laughs) How was everybody's
4: weekend? How was everyone's weekend?
2: Weekend was awesome. I'm not going to say because I'm always Yes. I always say busy. It was busy. Yes. Um I love keeping but you, you busy. know I, thank you, Will. You you really yeah. do. And you've kept yeah. me running all yeah. weekend. But I've met yeah. some fabulous people and yeah. you know, sometimes <laughs> it wasn't you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did meet our new intern. So yes. I, I'm very yes. excited about that and always yes. glad just to see people that we add to the fold and to really help with the vision of the show and our purpose exactly. So
5: it's been amazing
4: Yeah Who else did anything
1: nice? Well, my,
5: my weekend went pretty well Went by fast like, You know, I need another weekend But, you know, my weekend always ends with you guys So mm. that's Aww. always a plus That was good I like her it's, It is a good <laughs> It's good
1: Okay
0: my weekend was a lot of rolling my eyes to the back of my head, sighing, <laughs> throwing stuff um, on the ground. Why, why
4: is
0: that? Because school starts tomorrow. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. that's wonderful. Though. <sighs> I'm so happy. You,
2: you want to take a moment of prayer? Should we pause for the calls?
0: I mean, if we can just pause for like two weeks
2: <laughs> and just <laughs> oh, pray. Oh, no. Can we
0: just do that right even
2: quick? We're no. not going to do that. I'm sorry, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Been there, done that, so I do feel your pain, but um, no, we're not gonna be able to pause for two weeks, sweetie. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: I'm sorry. We'll say an extra prayer for you.
0: Please do.
2: Okay. okay.
4: So, um, my weekend. <laughs> uh, how long Why do we, we have? It I don't like even that. know. <laughs> You know, because I, you know, I, you and I talk a lot. You know, I'm on this emotional roller coaster thing. I, I, this weekend has just been, just like I, I think I've probably experienced every emotion possible, and I think I probably in, invented a couple of them. Today was oh, no. good. I, I went to church. I went to church with um, uh, a coworker in Nathan, and Nate um, and went to this new church. That we have been going to for a while Really like it Really contemplating joining I swore on the lives of my future grandkids That I will never join another church Um, However, I'm really feeling this church Anytime I can sit in church And it it doesn't take much for me to cry Those who know me But I cried literally from the moment I pulled up into the driveway To the time I was I cried in the parking lot Walking to my car It was just something that I needed I needed to release Whatever I walked in there So yeah,
0: I was like, I okay, it. this
4: this may be the church But the message All was right. good So it's a good way, and I cooked my second dinner Second Sunday dinner today, and it came out good I researched it, I'm a researcher So I, I Googled how to cook chicken breast on um, Google or on Oh Google, no, on YouTube Hold on, oh, no. you cooked? Yeah, you I cooked You cooked I cooked, and it was good It was edible? It was good, yeah, yeah It was Eesh. good
2: Mm. I knew miracles yeah. were happening today. I knew
4: miracles. It
2: was something in the air. I'm gonna cook all of y'all, dinner and
4: invite you all over, and you'll see. Will
2: it be edible?
4: Okay, you keep on. All right, you need some more work. <laughs>
1: oh, <Uh-oh. right. laughs> you gonna put those special seeds <laughs> in <laughs> my <throat>
2: plate? You know what? No, I don't think I'm gonna eat it. I'm gonna be a vegetarian that day. Thank you.
4: Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: Mm. Mm.
4: So, what's the well, next sure? Well, wait a minute.
2: About? There's one more what? person. Oh, is it? That good. uh. Actually, I shared the weekend part of the weekend with them. Yeah. But,
3: uh,
4: oh yeah, y'all. Right? I forgot y'all were anti-social. I forgot. I forgot.
3: Well, <laughs> you've forgotten me several times, but Say, thank I'm you, not thank gonna you. hold it against you. Exactly. exactly. Okay. Thank you. Mhm. Okay. Mhm. Uh, so how was your weekend, devil.
4: baby? My
3: weekend. How was your weekend, Miss Shea? <laughs> fabulous <laughs> and challenging and growing. Uh, I saw the fabulous okay. Miss Alicia this weekend. Thank we, uh, you, Lou. To, yes, so we got to do some entrepreneurial nonprofit for the community. Yes, got a whole bunch of information, and then we got to hang out a bit afterwards. So yeah, oh, for sure. I got to well, go back good. to school, sort of today. We did uh-huh. a prayer did walk sort of. over at ODU. My church is okay. on the campus of ODU, so we did a prayer walk and talked to some of the students. So that was good. Oh, that's
4: good. Really so good. you know, t- tomorrow is my first day at ODU. Nate's been there for a while, but you know, I went out and bought the ODU T-shirt. I got me an ODU oh, bag. Lord I got me he an ODU going. baseball cap. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Do you think I look like hammer. I'm new if I have all that on? Oh,
2: you know, this is my only. Like on the ODU on
4: campus.
2: I don't mean what? no. You won't boo. This is my only <laughs> problem with that, though. I feel uh-huh. like if I'm paying tuition, how come I don't get this stuff for free? I'm yeah, that's true. okay, that's true. I'm Please paying say. you that's tuition. You should be giving me something to represent you. I'm representing you by paying the bill. Can I get some free uh, gear, some hats, some coffee mug, keychain? <laughs> I don't get nothing. I got to pay for that, too, and I got to pay you tuition and books. And, and, right. and what if <laughs> I stay on campus? So, I, no, I don't want You're to right. wear nothing. I'm wearing You're my right. degree because I got to keep paying you. How about that? That's <laughs> what I'm wearing. That, that's just my little... I'm just feeling a little way about that, but that's all right. You I have got
1: it. that out? I'm
4: glad. That's good. That's
1: good.
2: <laughs> I got it out, my sister. I'm all right there. Thank you. Thank Not really, but so, we're so, going to pretend. <laughs>
4: so what is this show about tonight? And know we have a double feature. What is it about?
2: Ooh, you know, this show got me feeling some kind of way. It's a very I good topic. I, I believe it's a very good topic. Two things. Tonight's topic the main topic is he cheated. So what? He, I'm gonna say it one more again because y'all need to have a, you need to reflect <laughs> on this. He cheated. Dot dot dot. So what?
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. See, I,
2: that question alone made me feel some kind of way, but it's worth exploring. Uh, expert Dave Hounder, believes that it's just natural for men to have a fling. So, therefore, as women, we shouldn't get upset because it's just part of the natural process. I'm going to leave that right there. And then we <laughs> have Mr. Dre Baldwin. Yeah, That comes with the topic. I love it. Work on your game.
4: Work on your game. Work
2: on your game. He is going to share with us as a professional athlete the tips of the trade. He's done a remarkable job of actually building a YouTube marketing campaign and some of the steps and some of the things he's done with that campaign, any entrepreneur, any business-minded person, any goal-oriented person, there's a lot of tips he's ha- he has that will help you improve yourself. So I'm really interested to hear what he has to say as well. So we got two double features that are really thought-provoking, yeah. but I, I just have to talk about that one of he cheated, so what? <laughs> you
4: there can leave it right there.
2: <laughs>
1: I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna drop the mic and
2: leave it right there. Mm. Okay. All right.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm the gonna be here myself tonight. I'm gonna try anyway. Mm-hmm. In the meantime.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So, presidential elections are coming up this year and they did a poll on who is who has what percentage of the population voting for them in different states. North Carolina, at 9% of the population, these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> They're taking up 9% of okay. vote. Oh,
2: um, man. Now,
3: I remember in high school and college that being a punchline, and now it's the presidential candidate.
2: Uh, I I, I need to explain what that means. So on top of
3: that, (laughs) it turns out he's really a 15-year-old from Iowa, Brady Olson. But my question is, what does this say about our democratic process, that D. Mm. Suss is not only on the polls, (laughs) but (laughs) he is getting a good amount of support for somebody that they've never heard heard of. Called D.
2: You know what, I'm just going to skip, I'm not even going to, I'm just going to pass. Y'all, somebody, I'm just going to pass. I don't want to answer that one. What? I'm still stuck on Donald Trump.
1: Yeah. I'm still stuck oh my God. on Donald
2: Trump. I could cry that, yeah. every time exactly. it's something in the news about Donald Trump. I'm, to me, that is just as amazing as these nuts. So, yeah. I'm done. I, I'm going to let yeah. somebody else, I'm going to pass. Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Donald
3: Trump has 40%, by the way, in that same time. girl.
2: Y- Come on, come on. Forty
3: percent.
2: I, I need some tissues, but I'm gonna hold in. I'm gonna be good.
3: Mm-mm. I These think nuts.
4: that I think people are just really fed up with what's going on, and the fact, hmm. like you said, with Donald Trump doing so well, so they say, in the election. Just, ah. I mean, because I, mean, I really cannot see. I don't care if he if he gets all of those. I really cannot see them putting Donald Trump in in the White House. I just think people are so upset that if if. Dino the dog ran, people will vote for because I think <laughs> people are reaching out.
1: Yeah, and they're just, they're just frustrated not with always. the
4: process, and they just probably just think it's a joke. These nuts, you know, no, no, not <laughs> at all, not at all. What do, do you say, Liz?
5: You know, I just, when I saw it, I honestly thought it was a joke. I was like, seriously? Uh-huh. Like, is this what we're doing? But I I don't know. I just I I have to agree with Will. I feel like people are just fed up and at this point it's just whatever, you know, we're going with the flow. Whatever floats your boat, floats my boat. Huh.
4: So
5: what
4: you say, Nate? But
3: <laughs> You know what?
2: I need to teach Nate how to use the phone. Uh,
0: y'all know I'm over here talking, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: I got to find it. has got to be a better way. It's got to be a better way. But I think Donald Trump is these nuts because what has happened is he's trying to find him another way to capitalize oh, wow. on more votes. So he said, i come out as Donald Trump, then so you can add <laughs> these nuts together. <laughs> My name. And here I, I am, I came
3: the with winner you. I I came mm-hmm,
0: with you mm-hmm.
2: But you know what, I, I said I wasn't going to say nothing So y'all should have known that wasn't going to work but, I um, sure did <laughs> uh, Well, I mean, isn't this sad that we're at the point in 2015 Where the political system is that much of a mockery And that it's much a of a joke that we can do this
0: but hasn't it been that way for the longest, from the first day that they started the party? It's been I'm, a joke.
2: I'm not gonna say all the way back then, but I'm yeah. saying it, everything is just so much. I guess it's just so blatant now.
0: Exactly. You know,
2: it, it's, it's ridiculous. It I'm, seriously, I'm
0: it. but I don't think these kids take anything seriously. If it's on Facebook, no, Instagram, all, Snapchat, all. I don't think it's real. Same deleted. thing with um, adults
2: as well. Well, well if y'all thought... Well, you're
0: right. You're right. You Especially that when that it comes to voting, but we're not going to get oh, started
2: yes. on that. Well, no, no, no. i got something for you. Another hot topic in the news this week that was equally as sickening. High-level federal employees use their work Internet systems to join Ashley Madison. Now, for you that don't know, Ashley Madison is a website Um, specifically geared toward those who want to have affairs in their marriage. But hundreds of U.S. government employees, including some of them with sensitive jobs in the White House, Congress, law enforcement, um, were, you know, they used their internet connections in their federal offices to access and then pay their membership fees to the cheating website Ashley Madison, according to the Associated Press. Now, it gets worse because – These included at least two assistant U.S. attorneys, an information technology administrator in the executive office of the president, a division chief, an investigator, and a trial attorney in the Justice Department, a government hacker at the Homeland Security Department, and another DHS employee who indicated he worked on a U.S. counterterrorism response team. So if you think about it, all of these people know all too well. How things can be hacked, how things can be traced And that's just how blatant they are Using government resources But what was even more appalling Was that the Associated Press is not naming The government subscribers found Because they said they are not elected officials And have not been accused of a crime And my question to you Is if the government workers use worse Internet for these services Should they rightfully be exposed?
5: Well, I feel like I guess my thing is they're exposing everybody else, you know, so they're huh. exposing, I think it was Josh Duggar, they expose uh-huh. somebody else, and if you're not an elected official, then why does it matter if we know who you are or not? I mean, because at the end of the day, you were doing it, you knew you had the chance to get, not the chance, but you knew that you could have gotten caught, so uh-huh. own up to it. If that's uh-huh. what you're doing, be a man about it. Uh-huh. That's how I feel, yeah.
3: Anybody else? Y'all kind of quiet. So, I used to teach, and this is Shay. Teachers have um, a moral clause that basically says, because of our position and influence, that if you're caught doing something morally inappropriate, you can get fired. Hmm. Now, our government is supposed to to represent and serve the public. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you do on your personal time. I really don't. Mhm. I don't want you using my tax money and you're already mm. probably getting paid more than you should be. Some of y'all, mm. some of y'all, some of y'all work harder than you get paid for. I know it. <laughs> but If you're going to use my tax dollars, oh no, you need to go. Mm. You need to go. Mm. What kind of adult doesn't know at least if you're gonna do your adult, don't do it at work. A whole bunch. <laughs> yeah.
0: True. yeah. But I, but I think, think what the problem too. is at work the internet is faster, so when you go to work,
1: <laughs> okay. you
0: get people okay. there chat you real quick. Versus at your okay. house you got to see who's watching, you, if your wife's coming around. So I kind of yeah. understand why they at the job doing it, but Nate. I just don't understand, you know, why Ashley got this. She was able to be hacked, you know, because had my account came up <laughs> and it, it was in the public, I would have to sue Ashley. Oh, wait a minute.
1: How are you going to sue Ashley? <laughs> Ashley didn't get it. <laughs> it do out about, about Ash- it? it.
4: Ouchie.
1: Yeah.
3: Nate, <laughs> see, yeah, but, that, that was the guy, that Nate. was the Lord. Let's, it pray, for, he let's just... pray
4: for Nate. <laughs> yes. So, okay, so is the issue that it got hacked and then it was released, or is, it, is the issue that they used companies the government things and it was a security issue, or is the issue that right. was maybe like a character flaw? What was what is, what is the issue? What are they upset with now? I don't understand because everybody you knows something. No, the issue with. is
2: that these are high-level federal employees using government okay. systems okay.
4: Using Four. government systems. Okay. Right. So using government so systems, yeah, happened, they should have been yeah. wrong. I mean, whether they're high-level high, high officials, low-level, I mean, a freak is a freak regardless mm-hmm. of the job title. So if they were using the computer and it possibly could have been hacked, and then you could trace it all through how it could have got down to the nuclear codes and all that stuff, then, yeah, they should have been fired. But just because they were high-level and they're on the app or they're on, because I thought it was an app, but if they're on the website... Then, um mm-hmm. then, you, excuse me, but okay. But, yeah, I thought if, if if it was an issue of security, then, yeah, they should be dismissed. But if it's just because, you know, they're growing adults and that's what they do, then no, leave them alone. But I wait, wait, well,
5: hold, well, hold on, hold, hold on. on, hold on. on, back up. One we'll
2: person up. got called. <laughs> <Mm-mm.
4: laughs>
1: uh-uh. This finishing. is your work computer. But I think but when I did, one person if it's got a called.
4: security issue, then that's right. They should be dismissed. But if just the fact that they're a high level and they're using this app or this service, then leave them alone. That's their private business.
3: But wait, I'm pretty sure that's private viol- business on the work computer. No, it's not. They violate, I'm quite sure, the computer policy because almost every job I've ever had had a computer policy that said mm-hmm. you couldn't do this, that, and the third on your work computer.
5: Hello. hmm. Okay.
0: <laughs> But what I am trying to tell y'all is how it happened.
2: You know what? I think we need to hack into Will and Nate's computer. And then we need to hack Well person
0: got called. And then they gave everybody else's name out. They said, come on, y'all, we got caught.
4: Oh, yeah, come on, we got caught, y'all. <laughs> we got caught. That's what it takes. It takes one person <laughs> to get caught. Exactly. They everybody. So now
0: everybody got there because they got caught, so they want yeah. to make everybody well, got caught. Well, maybe you shouldn't mm.
2: use your work computer if you're doing your dirt.
0: Mm.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, just just, go What's next that's going, going on? All I'm gonna say is, you know, if you if you need to do stuff that much, use your personal cell phone. But I'm gonna leave that alone. Um, everybody. <laughs> you know what? Everybody went. Probably everybody or most of America has gone and seen straight out of Compton. Another part of that that came out this week was that Dr. Dre. They're saying because of the media and you know. So, everything, he was forced to apologize and address his history for abusing women. Now, the question is, should this have been left in the past, or does he need to do more, such as donate a large portion of the movie's proceeds to domestic violence abuse, or do you guys just feel like, you know, that's his past? Leave it there.
4: This is, I. I think it's his past. I think it's his past. I mean, because if he, I, I, you know, I'm big with net worth. So, I mean, he could donate
3: we
4: $5 million. And to us, that means that, you know, he's reconciled his, his issues with domestic violence. And really, him, he's just trying to appease the people. So, I mean, if you could get a good heartfelt, I'm sorry, apology out of him, I think that would be good. Making donations stuff like that to rich people is really nothing to me. Hmm. Oh,
1: uh, hmm. Uh, yeah.
2: I'm not saying that there's a lot of, a lot of out out. going on. <laughs> yes, <Lisa.
1: it> <laughs> what? <laughs> what did you say?
4: You know,
2: I'm feeling, I felt some kind of way about that too. Because, yes, a person can do things in the past, a person can do egregious things in the past, but change from that. And, you know, there is a point that was their past. I don't have to keep bringing it up.
3: Right. But at the
2: same time, I think sometimes especially, like, if you're a celebrity or you're a person in the public's eye, people are going to drag things up from your past, and they're going to demand that you say something, you address it. So I I just feel like, yeah, I know there's celebrities that, you know, this is a PR thing, so even an apology may be a PR move, and, yeah, if they donate something, that would be a PR move, but I'm sorry. I'd rather you do the donation, I mean, God will know your heart. That will be something I never know if you're really sincere. And to a certain point, it doesn't really matter for me personally. But I'd rather you do a donation to some type of domestic violence prevention program because at least somebody is getting some worth out of that. That money can go to helping those who have been a part of that and who have survived that, Um, you know. I'm not saying that'll just pay off or that'll make it right what happened. Um, That's what it but like. I, I would prefer to see that. Okay. I really wouldn't.
4: Okay. Just saying. What do you think,
5: Liz? I don't think he should have to do a donation, and I say that because I feel like you know they he was I don't want to say he was young and it should be forgiven, but it was so long ago, and I've never. I've never been the one to, like, when people do something like, oh, you know, I killed a cat, so I'm going to go give $1,000 to the Humane Society. Like, no, <laughs> you, you you killed the cat for a reason. Like, let it go. And I'm not saying let domestic violence go, you know, don't right, jump on me. But what I'm saying is that was almost two decades ago. You don't know how, you know, he reconciled or whatever, so... I feel like people are bringing it up now just because they want something to talk about. Like, let this man live his life. If he didn't yeah. give the money now, it's really no point of giving it. If he didn't give the money before, it's really no point of giving it now because now it does look like a PR stunt. Like, let me shut y'all up. Let me go give a million dollars to abuse wives and children or something. But it's going to look like a PR stunt
2: anyway when you're sitting up there with Apple doing an apology. He, I don't think he should have gave the apology either. Mm. Now, I, I get that too
0: Yeah Yeah I definitely wouldn't have gave, given my apology Or I would, I would not pay out a dime Because <laughs> we all have a past <laughs> And what if we had to pay money for every past sin we had We'll be broke Jesus. Well that's oh why God. you tithe
2: baby That's why you tithe us
0: Oh I'm sorry Yeah I know So maybe he should just go tithe his 10% <laughs> you know what so god get He's the only one that, that I wasn't be-
2: serious. I'm sorry. I know what tithing is <laughs> really for. No, please don't write into the show or don't see me in church this <laughs> Sunday and start okay. back me. I understand what tithing is for. I was just You're joking. It's Sunday. Us.
1: Girl.
3: Yeah. Uh, so my question is, how do we know it's in the past? Oh, now see, hmm. that's a good point. Yeah.
4: Uh-uh. <laughs> Now you're in his house. You're in his business. I'm
3: so. just saying there is nothing that we mm-hmm. know about that heard about that says that he's done doing it. Like, for domestic violence, people rarely change without some type of intervention. Uh-oh. And I don't know what he's done in his personal life.
0: That's but a good point. That I is a point. Because it is called Beats by Dre. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: my God. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's a oh, take. you I, I
3: can't.
4: Your phone, phone, We're gonna right we gonna take up we gonna take up
3: all <laughs> So that's the point.
2: Lord. If you yeah. if you haven't noticed, every time he cuts <laughs> up,
3: So happens with his phone. That's yeah. <laughs> a good point, Shay. Really, good,
2: really good. Help,
4: Lord. Okay, so let's. Move on. This is a topic that um, I was looking through some magazines. And Vogue magazine is actually April 22nd of this year. They had an article, an interesting article to me. Um, It was entitled Breathless, Should You Be Friends With Your Ex? So I read it. There were a few good points that I wanted to point out. Um, It says, Mm -hmm. many claim that being friends with your ex is the mature thing to do. That's the question I want to ask you. But these are the points that I'm want to see if you agree with. It says that if you choose to keep your ex in your life, that it's important that your friendship is genuine and that you don't have any ulterior motives. And then it mm-hmm. also points out that there's a difference of being friends and being friendly. It says friends mm-hmm. is like when we can hang out, we can watch Netflix and, you know, kick it at your place, and I can listen to you complain about your new relationship. That's friends. Mm-hmm. Friendly means when we pass on the street, I smile and I say hi, and I don't shoot you. That's a friendly <laughs> oh my
1: God. Is that friendly? So, again, I go you? back to the question.
4: You know, oh. is being friends with your ex the mature thing to do, and could you do it? What do you say?
2: Okay. All right. I'm going to try to keep this brief. First of all, I think, <laughs> <laughs> shut up. You know, can you be, should you be friends with your ex? Okay, I mean, that's going to be based on the person. That's going to be based on what happened. That's going to be based on the point how long has it been since y'all been ex? How did you end? What do you define as a friend? blah 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 blah. So I say with each person that varies.
4: Okay. Um
2: and that's how you're going to have to answer your question. Now you said, could I be friends with the ex? Yeah. Sure could be you. I want to ask personally,
4: could you could you?
2: Absolutely. But I have a certain definition of friend. We're ex for a reason, so we're. It's not like you know. People have different you know classification of friends. Okay, I can know you. It's not like oh, I never. You know, I see you. You you cease to exist to me. I, it's like I never knew you. No, I'm not going to be like that. But you know, saying we're going to be cool and th- some people maybe, other people no. It's a reason why we're ex, It just depends on how that relationship ended. And how long it's been, how do I feel about what happened, who was responsible, blah, blah, blah. So, yes, could I be friends with the ex? Absolutely. So
4: you, you 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 tend to lean more to the friendly, I can be friendly side versus Yeah, the I
2: friend. won't punch you in the face,
3: but oh. we're not like buddies <laughs> and, and,
2: you know, I'm not going to slap your management. thighs, but... You ain't okay. like, you know, um, you my road dog No, no you're not, dog There's a reason why we act <laughs> Act,
3: okay.
2: separate We c- compete, mm. cut the cord Bye, boo But I'll still say hi, I won't flash your tires. <laughs> Thank you,
5: in Jesus' name Oh, okay um. <laughs> Alicia, we gotta get you some anger management, boo <laughs> well,
4: We gotta get Alicia some anger
5: okay, <laughs> hey, management the man <laughs> oh, my <man>. God. <laughs> I said God bless well. you. Yes. I mean, come on. <laughs> I am friends with one of my exes. Um, I'm actually great friends with one of my exes. Um, mm-hmm. We were high school sweethearts. I mean, it was rocky after. You know, it takes time. It's not no, let's break up. Okay, girl, let's go out and have ice cream. No, it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it's going to have some... It's going to have some emotions You're going to get testy on what you can talk about And what you can't talk about But now, you know, I'll call up today And talk about my current situation Or anything, you know So we're really good friends But then I do have an ex where, you know I avoid at all costs And if I do see you in public, hey And keep it moving So I think it depends on the person And I think it depends on your relationship So I have both a friendly ex And a, like that's my best friend, until the day I die ex hmm.
0: all right okay. I think I can be friends with my ex too, but as the article read, I think it would depend on the situation and how it ended i am uh I'm not a sexual being, so when i have when I have sex with somebody, it means a little bit much to me. So when I see you again and I don't have sex with you, then I'm like, oh, why in the world
1: did I have sex with you?
0: <laughs> so, but you I think silly? depending on how it ended, I could be friends um, with my ex. Okay. Shay?
3: Um, I've had friends that were exes. I've had friends that – I've had exes that weren't friends. But I've never had a problem, like, if they're cool, I'm cool. I'm, I'm kind of laid back in that way. Um, now that I'm married, I don't think I can be friendly with any of my exes. Mm-hmm. The definition of friendly sounded very friendly. <laughs> <laughs> or was it friends? <laughs> yeah. friend. Maybe friend. I can be friend friendly, it not friend. friendly yeah. That's what yeah. it was. The definition. friend part sounded real close. It sounded like Deborah Cox and R.L. talking about we can't be friends because I'm still uh-huh. in love with you. I never yeah. understood that. Song. If y'all still in love, why y'all ain't just get back together? Hmm. Yeah. So, so no, I I think you can be friends with your ex as long as you're not just saying you're friends when y'all are really like wanting to be together. The thing is just lying and stuff.
2: Okay. Look at y'all putting different parameters and everything. That's what I'm talking
1: about.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well. As we said earlier, tonight is going to be a hot show. So I'm ready for that.
4: All right.
3: I'm looking forward to it. We're about to go to commercial. Um, Listeners, please call in. We'd love to hear from you. Y'all can call in with questions, comments, concerns, suggestions. The phone lines will be open, and the topic is interesting. See y'all after the break.
4: Hey, y'all. Cedric the Entertainer here with Niecy Nash, taking a break from shooting The Soul Man to introduce you to Patience. Hi. Patience is a patient at St. Jude Children's
0: Research Hospital.
5: Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for anything because all a family should worry about is helping their child live.
0: St. Jude won't give up until they
4: end childhood cancer, sickle cell, and other deadly diseases.
3: Because of you, there is St. Jude.
4: Learn more at stjude.org.
0: So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please.
6: Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouthful. don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be
0: treated. Got it?
5: Got
0: it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2Men2x.org. That's 2Men2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Miles, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council.
5: I'm Sonia, and I'm a liver recipient of eight years. The doctors diagnosed me with end-stage liver disease. One of the most difficult things was the fact that I was not able to drive anymore. Life after transplantation is transformation. I have a very good life. I love my life. You have the power to donate
0: life. Be an organ, eye, and tissue donor. To find out how, go today to DonateLife.net.
2: ways to deal with unfaithful lovers. Um, Dave Pounder says the best answer is simple, don't worry about it. Uh, Pounder says that most men are unfaithful in some way at some time, but it has nothing to do with how they feel about their partners. Um, according to him, if people understood that perception of infidelity rather than the infidelity itself, which is what ruins the relationship, everyone would be happier. In his book, Obscene Thoughts, A Pornographer's Perspective on Sex, Love, and Dating Delves into the Issues that Prevent Men and Women from Truly Understanding Each Other. Welcome to Let's Face It, Dave Pounder. And Dave, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. We're happy to have you on.
1: Um, Happy to be
2: on. (laughs) Well, we're glad to have you. I remember seeing your bio and I'm going, Wow. (laughs) you know, you're someone that has a ton of knowledge. You have your bachelor's degree in finance, a master's degree in information system, and then you were even accepted in a doctoral program at Concordia University in Montreal. How does someone with that background is known as an esteemed pornographer? You you have to Ah. see how you even got in the industry.
6: Sure. I mean, well, I got into the industry through the uh, swingers world. I was actually uh, in a swingers environment, and uh, I was in Los Angeles, and a uh, scout, a porn scout, came up to me because I was having sex with this guy's wife uh, in a in a room, and he was like, "Hey, have you ever thought about doing movies?" And I was, uh, I jumped at the opportunity. I mean, it wasn't. You know, a lot of people think that like, you know, I got in the porn to basically be able to have sex with a bunch of women, but I was doing that already through the swingers world. The reason that I aligned myself with porn is because because of my very, you know, mainstream background, I mean, I've, I don't do drugs, I've never been arrested, you know, I have a good education, you know, I speak well, etc., um, I wanted to align myself with an industry that I think is unnecessarily stigmatized. Um, when you look at the research, for example, around uh, smoking or, or alcohol or other lawful products, right, that are only consumable by adults, there's plenty of research that, you know, smoking cigarettes or, or drinking excessively is, is not healthy, um, you know, yet when it comes to sexuality, all of the public health research around sexuality is very positive. It's people who have sex have better outlooks on life, they feel better, et cetera. Um, you know, there's plenty of research that demonstrate that. If I walked into a psychologist's office and I said, listen, I'm 40 years old and I've never smoked, smoked a cigarette in my life, uh, a psychologist would say, wow, that's good, that's healthy, you know, congratulations. Um, but if somebody walked into a psychologist's office and said, I'm 40 years old and I've never had sex, there's probably some kind of a mental issue or a social problem going on because people clearly should be having sex. So so to me this idea that sex should be uh stigmatized and cigarettes and, and alcohol are, are okay. You know, back to what you were saying earlier about the, the government people, like, you know, if a government person was discovered that he previously worked in the in the porn industry, a lot of people will say, Oh, fire that guy, you know, he was in the porn industry but if he worked for Philip Morris, you know, as an analyst, or he worked for Inbev or you know Coors Brewing Company as a you know marketing or a salesperson, nobody would think about firing that person, even though there's there's clearly more negative um, social and health consequences that come from tobacco and alcohol compared to uh, adult content. Wow,
3: that's, well, that's definitely a different perspective. With that in mind, tonight's topic. He cheated, so what? According to you, women should not be upset if their partner has a flame. Why not? Why did you just choose women and is the advice the same to a man if his woman has a flame?
6: Well, first of all, I think people should do what makes them happy. So if men and women both desired naturally to cheat, then I would I would argue the same for both men and women. Um, men and women cheat for different reasons. Men primarily cheat merely because of an opportunity with a a minimal risk of discovery, Uh, women usually cheat if there's something going wrong. So for example, to give you sort of an analogy of female sexuality, um, assume that you have a job and the job pays a very good salary and you really like your boss and it's a really short commute to work and you really love what you do. So there's sort of these four things that you care about in a job, let's assume. And everything's great. You know, you're making $200,000 a year, you love your boss, walk to work, it's great. And all of a sudden, somebody comes up to you and says, hey, would you like to make an extra $5,000 mowing lawns for the summer? It's unlikely that you're going to say, yes, give me that extra job or that extra income or that variety in work because your current job is giving you everything that you want. Uh, when do people look for another job? When there's something wrong with their primary job. If you have to take a pay cut from 200000 to 50000 If your boss, who was nice, all of a sudden moves to a different company, you get a new boss who now makes your life miserable – all of a sudden going to work is no longer fun, so you might look for another job. If the company gets acquired and moves to a different city or moves far away where it's a long commute, uh, all of a sudden what was a a 30-second commute is now a two-hour commute. Maybe that's unmanageable, so you look for another job. There's usually something wrong with the job before you look for another job. And this is typically how women view relationships. If they're in a relationship with a guy they love and they respect and he's investing in her emotionally, financially, and physically, um, then it 's very unlikely that that she has an interest in cheating unless she has a past history of some kind of a, of a sexual trauma or a sustained emotional trauma that would cause her to act out um for for different sort of pathological reasons if you will um as opposed to sort of the the natural progress of how women and men behave sexually now all of this is rooted in the fact that men and women face uh different uh adaptive problems over evolutionary time. Like, for example, nobody would dispute that women have breasts and lactate, you know, and men don't. Well, why is that? Because women actually have babies. Uh, If a woman has a baby, she needs to be able to deliver nutrients to the baby, and she can do that through breastfeeding, and this is why women lactate and have breasts and why men don't. So if we can acknowledge that men and women have a different anatomical structure, because they face different adaptive problems. Um, you know, the, it's safe to say that men and women also, their brains are different. Not, it's not that one is better than the other, they're just different. And the question is, is what are the adaptive problems that men and women faced over evolutionary time? Men, you know, reproduction is really all about getting your genetics into the future. That's how your body kind of perceives it. So what happens is when a guy looks at a girl, And he says, wow, you know, that girl's attractive. She's probably young. She's probably has a waist-hip ratio of 0.68 to 0.72, which is uh, kind of a, you know, that that kind of curviness that people like, Um, you know, and, uh, you know, she probably has, she's pretty, and all of these things are signs of fertility. Nobody walks into a nursing home and says, uh, is that 90-year-old, you know, 300-pound woman available? Um, You know, they're usually around a college campus saying, oh, my God, I almost fell off of my bicycle looking at all these beautiful women walking around because they're all young and, and signal fertility. So what happens is, is um, women have a much higher cost of sex than men do. If I meet a girl and I have sex with her in the bushes and I, and I climax in 10 seconds and, I, and I'm on my merry way, that's the extent of my investment. However, if she were to get pregnant, she now has a minimal obligatory parental investment of nine months. She now is unlikely to have uh, a man to provide protection, to provide additional resources and parenting. And that baby is then less likely to survive. So it's not in a woman's interest to mate indiscriminately because she wants to, in other words, if there's if she's having sex with 10 different guys and they're all aware of it and she gets pregnant, it's unlikely that someone's going to come forth and claim paternity or invest in that baby because it's unlikely that he's going to think it's his. Where, you know, they always say, you know, uh, mama's baby, papa's maybe. And in an evolutionary sense, you know, women know their babies are their babies. Men don't. So if a woman's indiscriminate, we're less likely to want to invest. So what what what's happened is over evolutionary time, guys have evolved a mating strategy that is, uh, you know, high volume, uh, low cost um, strategy because that's what maximizes our ability to have as many children as possible. And the more children we have by by numbers, just by sheer numbers, makes it that they'll that they're more likely to survive, um, hoping that the that the female and her family are able to rear it. Um, Now on the female side, um, you know, if they were just going to go around and have sex with everybody, you know, it's unlikely the guy's going to stick around. So women have this sort of evolved mating strategy of saying, okay, let me get to know the guy. Let me find out about him. What's his level of ambition? What's his genetic quality? Is he healthy? Is he going to stick around and be able to invest and protect this child? And the women that were able to do that more successfully to kind of mate with one strong man, uh, strong being both physically and economically in the sense of being being able to provide protection and resources are the ones whose babies were more likely to survive and whose genetics were more likely to get in the future, whereas the men who were able to have as many partners as possible are the ones that are likely to get their, their genetics into the future. So so this is the sort of cons, consensus theory in the evolutionary psychology discipline and what, what, ex, what explains a lot of what you see in media, right? If I said to you, let's play a game, you name me a girl that cheated, I'll name you a guy that cheated, Right? and we're talking about you know people in, in media, so actors, actresses, professional sports people, politicians, You know, for every one girl you name, you know that I can name ten. You know that I – I mean, when you look at this Ashley Madison data, without having seen it, I can only assume that a clear majority of the names that are on there are going to be male names because men invariably are the ones that are joining those sites. I mean, women do too because there's something wrong with the relationship, but men could be happy in their relationship and still be on Ashley Madison just seeking out um, the sexual variety. So I don't think it's any mystery, you know, that that people know that men cheat. I mean, you know, why aren't, you know, we know, uh, what's his name, Uh, John Edwards, Mr. Family Guy, you know, Mr. Family Values cheated, Bill Clinton cheated, Elliot Spitzer cheated, and Elliot Spitzer was the guy that was trying to pass anti-prostitution laws while he was using prostitutes. I mean, it's not uncommon for a lot of uh, these politicians that are against, say, gay rights to be, caught in the bathroom with a boy, right? Um, and this is really male versus female sexuality. The gay versus the straight is really just what your target preference is. Uh, but males behave in a certain way, and females tend to um, behave in a certain way. And, and all I'm trying to tell women is, listen, guys are always have cheated. They always will cheat. They're going to cheat because it's, it's wired in our genetics. And don't take it personally. Don't think, oh, wow, he cheated. You know, there must have been something wrong in the relationship because otherwise I wouldn't have cheated. Um, it's just it's just how we're wired, and if the guy says, you know, a lot of women will say, well, why isn't he just honest? And it gets to well, an, it gets to an economic theory. Go ahead. Let me ask you:
3: if oh, sure. if this is all men cheating in some way, form or fashion, does this mean that men in the area of sex just don't have self control, or only have a certain level of self control, and at some point that's going to go away?
6: Well, everybody has a certain level of self-control, but the question is, is is the self-control rational? So in other words, if I have a wife and I know that she doesn't want me to cheat on her, if I cheat on her and she doesn't find out, right, if I'm extremely discreet, let's say I'm on Ashley Madison and it's supposed to be protected, right, and she doesn't (laughs) find out, then we both win. I mean, she's happy because she doesn't know that I cheated, and I'm happy because I – I'm able to, to do what comes naturally to me. So, for example, let's say that I said to you that I don't like that you eat three meals a day. You know, Let's just say that men hypothetically eat one meal a day, and women like to eat three meals. And, and for whatever reason, we're jealous about that, and we say, you know what? If you're one of these women who drink who eats three meals a day, don't even go out with me. I don't want to date you. I'm going to date somebody else who eats one meal a day. And then you, know, you come on the show and say, listen, you know, women, we're, we're designed to eat three meals a day for X, Y, and Z reasons. And I say to you, well, what about self-control? Can't you just eat one meal a day and control it? And even if you could, right, since you know how hunger works as a human, does it make sense to? What makes more sense? For you just to eat the three meals that you want and not say anything, right, or for you to actually self-deny yourself for no real reason? And what I mean by no real reason is what I call the poison analogy. Okay, if I say to you, I'm going to poison you for sake of argument, let's just say you want to die and you're okay with it, so I start poisoning your cereal, you eat the cereal, you have the poison, you die, the poison killed you. Now compare that with what if I told you that I'm poisoning your cereal, so you're ready to die, and I'm I just give you the illusion that I'm poisoning your cereal, that I don't actually poison it. So you're eating non poisoned cereal, but you think there's poison in it. Well, you're not going to die because there's no poison. You know the poison is the agent that 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 killed you. Uh, and think about the reverse scenario. If I poison your cereal and I don't tell you about it, so you're not aware of it, you'll die because there's poison in the cereal. Um, so it's really the poison and not your perception of the poison that matters. right? Now, if a guy, for example, the minute he had sex with another woman, the minute his penis passed the vaginal plane of another woman, his wife correspondingly had a heart attack or felt this extreme pain as a result of a, of a passing of, you know, her husband's penis in a separate woman's vaginal plane, now you have an argument. You say, you know, you really shouldn't cheat because the minute your penis passes into a vagina, your wife is physically hurt, right? We all know that if if a husband came back to a wife and if he never cheated on her ever but just wanted to play a sick game and give her the impression that he did and say, hey, honey, I have to come clean. You know, I've had three affairs. I've been seeing this girl for a while. I've been having sex with her every Friday when you thought I was at that meeting. Even though he never had sex with another girl – his wife is going to cry and be extremely hurt and probably end the relationship, even though he never physically had sex with another girl. But she perceives that he did. And conversely, if you're Tiger Woods, before he got caught, Tiger Woods was having sex left and right with everybody, porn chicks, strippers, everybody, for many years. And his wife never knew about it, and she was completely content and happy. The problem wasn't that he cheated. The problem was that he got discovered. So what happens is, is people who are more likely to be in the limelight are the ones who are more likely to get discovered, particularly if you're in politics, because there's always a side against you. Um, but the bottom line is, is and there's a great South Park episode. I encourage you to go to SouthParkStudios.com and type in "sexual healing." They did a, um, they did a Tiger Woods parody, and it's just, it's just so clearly obvious. You know, there's a quote from Ayn Rand that says the hardest thing to explain is the glaringly evident that everybody has decided not to see, and I think that's the case with what's happening here. And I think as long as women can understand that when their husband cheats um, that it's not it has nothing to do with their relationship It has it just has to do with the fact that you know he wanted a little variety he didn't plan to get caught but he did um, and to really not take it personally and I see a lot of a lot of great relationships where you know you have a husband and wife and kids and, and she's she's living in a, in a great house driving a nice car great life and then she discovered you know, she snoops never snoop <laughs> she snoops finds out he cheated, now she wants a divorce, so they split up the family, now she's living in a little apartment, you know, I mean, she's got some of his money, right, but she's living in the apartment, you know, so now she's downgraded, now she has to go back to work, you know, let's assume she had a, you know, this sort of stay-at-home mom life before, and it's just unfortunate, it's like, why, really? I mean, like, if we just look at other mammals, you know, um, just so you know, um, most mammals have have sex about a dozen times for birth, a dozen, Humans have sex about a thousand times for birth. We have sex when reproduction is not even an option. We have sex when women are menopausal. We have sex when women are are pregnant. We have sex when women are uh, under their periods. Um, we have sex uh, only us, chimpanzees, bonobos, and dolphins have sex merely for sort of a, a social uh, it 's really more social it 's almost as if reproduction is a byproduct um, of the sexual experience and when you look at these other I mean, realize if you go to the zoo and you look at the chimpanzee or the bonobo exhibit, realize that you have more in common with that chimp or bonobo behind the glass than any other animal does to any other animal in the zoo. We have more genetic – we share more than 99% of our DNA with chimpanzees and bonobos, which is less than the Indian elephant shares with the African elephant. So if you're looking at an Indian and African elephant, you'll see differences they are more different than we are from chimps and bonobos. And when you look at chimp and bonobo mating behavior, they're extremely promiscuous. Both of them are highly promiscuous species. Yet, when we try to study warfare or aggression or social bonding and all this stuff, different stuff, we look at chimpanzees. But when we try to look at monogamy and sexuality, then we look at birds <laughs> because birds give us the model that we want to adopt, which is this idea of monogamy, even though most birds are only monogamous for one mating season. So to translate that to human terms... You have a baby, your husband divorces you, he finds another wife. has a baby, divorces her, has another wife, and and that's the closest that we can find to what we want. And when you look at the differences in primatology, there are monogamous um, primates. The gibbon, for example, is a monogamous primate. The gibbon has an internal testicle, and the testicle size is very small relative to the body mass. Contrast that with chimpanzees and bonobos that have external testicles and bigger testicles that have a a larger ratio of... Uh, testicle size to body mass. And humans are much more in line with chimps and bonobos with the external testicles relative to body mass, relative to the monogamous bonobos. So this idea that, you know, that human males are by any means monogamous completely flies in the face of science. Now the analogy I use there, and I know you guys made a lot of religious reference at the beginning of the show, is exactly that, religion. Um, When you look at the Bible, they talk in Genesis about how you know, God created the the sun and the moon and you know, everybody thought that the sun and the moon uh, all went around the earth, you know, and everybody thought the earth was flat because there are quotes in the Bible where, you know, God took Moses to the top of the mountain so he could see all of the Lord's kingdoms. Well, if you're on the top of a mountain, the only way you can see all of the Lord's kingdoms is if it's a flat surface. If it's a basketball shaped surface and there's a mountain on top of the basketball, you can't see the bottom of the basketball. So what would happen is all of these scholars would say, you know, I realize that we have this sort of you know, biblical geology or, you know, biblical astronomy, but all of the evidence seems to suggest that the earth actually goes around the sun and not the other way around, or that the earth is actually round and not flat. And what happened when people made those claims that were contradictory to the Bible? They were persecuted, they were killed, they were put in prison. So what's happening now is we still have this sort of biblical morality when it comes to, you know, um sexuality, that you should have sex for reproduction, that you should only have sex within the context of a relationship or a marriage and all of these types of things, but all of that flies in the face of all the data that we have, not only the primatological data, but the evolutionary psychology theory, free market economic theory, and pretty much every other discipline that science has looked at as it relates to sexuality shows that men and women uh, have a different sexual psychology. Men prefer low investment variety. Women prefer monogamy with a high investing male. And women will stray if they can't get uh, both the financial investing and the good quality genetic Uh, male in one person, that's been known, where women will kind of cuckold a guy. Um, And there's a lot of other factors for for women cheating. If a woman is is raped or sexually coerced in her lifestyle, then she acts out like a man for reasons for catharsis. If uh, if she's growing up and somebody is always putting her down physically, saying she's ugly, 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 you have no boobs, who would date you with that nose, You're, you're so unattractive. It has to be physical. They can't say you're stupid. It has to be something with their physicality. Then they go off and they have sex with a guy, and they feel better. They get a boost their self-esteem and say, wow, he had sex with me, I must feel better. And then that guy ultimately leaves for a more attractive girlfriend if what they were saying is true. Then, she has sex with, then, she feel, then her self-confidence goes way down. She meets another guy, has sex with him. So this sort of low self-esteem vicious cycle is happening in the emotional abuse category. But assuming that hasn't happened, that there's no physical or emotional prior abuse, and if a woman is with a man who's investing in her physically, financially, and emotionally, and she respects him and his occupation, her probability of cheating is virtually nothing. Where for guys, Dave, the reverse, it they will cheat anyways given the opportunity.
2: Dave, I got, I have to ask you. I have to, you know, you gave a lot of good information, but I have to ask you, you know, going on the different premises, whether it's Christianity or whether it's the genetic makeup, the way men are wired, and history. Do you think? How would you answer the question? Because I know there's listeners that. They're thinking this, so I have to put it on the table. Does Hmm. the fact that you have a background in pornography and the porn industry was such a part of your life, including the swingers' background, do you think that in any way skews the advice you have on cheating?
6: No, and I'll tell you why. Um, First of all, I haven't had a television since 1999, and I don't watch sports. All my friends think it's weird I don't watch sports, right? But just because I don't watch sports and just because I don't own a television, I would never argue or try to claim scientifically that men don't watch television or that men don't watch sports or that people don't watch sports. I mean, clearly there's plenty of data that shows that, you know, people watch sports, you know, I don't, but people do. Right. Um, So that's one thing. So, you know, obviously if I was sort of just projecting my own um, way of life, if you will, then I would also be projecting other things like that. People don't watch sports or that, Everybody wants to live in a warm climate like Florida. I live in Florida. I hate the cold. I don't personally see who wants to live in the cold like in Mississippi – or not Mississippi. What is it? Uh, Minnesota. Yet clearly people live in Minnesota. They moved to Minnesota. I would never argue that every that, you know people want warm weather just because I do. Um, secondly, when you look at people who have not been in the porn industry, and quite the opposite, people who, who are uh, preaching family values and things like this, guys like Newt Gingrich – Guys like uh, uh, John Edwards, you know, that was campaigning on family values, only to find out that he was having an affair, you know, multiple affairs with mistresses um, in other states and other parts of the country. Um, You know, same with Newt Gingrich. He cheated on all his wives, and that later came out after he was trying to impeach Bill Clinton for getting a a blowjob in the office, right? But notice they're all men. Why isn't Hillary Clinton being caught with the pool boy? Why isn't Condoleezza Rice or Madeleine Albright having an affair? It's clearly gender based, right? Not only that, there's an entire discipline of researchers that study this. If you look at behavioral economics, if you look at evolutionary psychology, look at researchers like David Buss, David Schmidt, Marty Hazelton, um, um, you know, there's uh, God Saad, there's uh, George Lowenstein, there's, David, or, what's his name, uh, Roy Baumeister of Florida State, Don Simon. I mean, there's an entire Group of researchers who study theory and why this happens. I mean, nobody denies this. There was a study uh, by Elaine Hatfield at Florida State University, and what they did is they sent they sent you know guys out on campus and girls out of campus, and they asked uh, members of the opposite sex three questions. Question number one: Will you come back to my apartment and have sex with me? Question number two: uh, I find you attractive. Would you like to go on a date with me? And question number three: I just moved to the area. I don't really know anybody. You know, I'm looking for some friends. Will you hang out with me? Right. When the, men asked the, or when the women asked the questions to, to the men, the highest response category was, will you have sex with me right now? Come back. You know, come back. That was the highest in the affirmative. It was like 80%. You know, somewhere in the high three-quarter, 80%. Uh, the second highest group was the date group, which is a little bit more than half. And the smallest group, about 30%, was I'll be friends with you. And then when they reversed it and they had the men asking the women, not a single woman agreed to go back and have sex. Uh, about half agreed to the date and more than half agreed to the friendship. So you saw a completely reversed relationship and a completely clinical uh, experiment where, you know, people went up to random. It wasn't like I'm going to approach this person. It was randomly selected who we're going to approach. People were randomly selected, um, and they controlled for all these other variables. And that that study has been replicated all over the world. There's a study by David Buss and David Schmidt that studied sexuality across different cultures, including tribal societies like the Yamamano uh, in Venezuela, and the I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's exclamation point K-U-N-G in Botswana, and these are these are cultures that have no media. They have no access to television, so they couldn't have been. A lot of people will argue that male behavior and female behavior are socialized by media. Well, they don't have access to media. And in all of these societies, they didn't find one society where women preferred sexual variety for its own sake or multiple partners, and in every single society, males expressed a desire for multiple partners and for sexual variety. So you know, you have the primatological data with the chins of bonobos. You have, again, these studies, these psychological and economical studies. Uh, you can even do this yourself if you're questioning the gender based part of it. If you go to Craigslist, men and women have equal access to the Internet. Men and women use Craigslist equally. If you go to Alexa.com, type in Craigslist, you can look at the gender distribution makeup. If you go to the casual encounter section, which is the casual sex area, and you post two exact but different ads. Ad number one, uh, my husband's out of town looking for a fling for the weekend I'm a 30 year old woman and you know just describe what you know guys like like you know size C natural boobs you know size 3 dress uh, you know if you're, if you're for real and you're interested please send a uh, phone number and a picture because I don't have time for games right and then you post the same ad you say I'm a husband my wife's out of town uh, I'm looking for a fling for the weekend I'm you know an woman one. I'm 6 foot 3 I have a good job you know I'm in shape etc leave a phone number and a picture so I know that you're legitimate Come back and check that account 24 hours later, and just look at the gender differences. When you when you log into the woman's account, she will have hundreds, hundreds of emails that are legitimate with a clear picture and a phone number. And when you log into the male account, you're going to find less than five. The clear majority of those being sporm or uh, spam porn ads saying, "Hey, I'm Jennifer. I'm 20. I'm horny." log into this site and put in your credit card information, and then I know you're real and I'll give you my contact info. And these are sort of phishing companies trying to get credit card information. And the other two, one or two that you're going to see are going to be legitimate emails, but they're going to be from women that are considered low mate value. They're going to be much older. They're going to be um, you know, overweight. They're not going to have the, the waist-hip ratio that males find desirable. Um, and you're going to see if that doesn't – that in itself – equal access to the Internet doesn't show that it's male versus female and not like, oh, Joe is just promiscuous and Mark's a nice Christian boy and, you know, Michelle is a nice Christian girl and Jennifer's promiscuous. You know, if that were the case, that, you know, you just had promiscuous females and non-promiscuous females and promiscuous males and non-promiscuous males, you would expect equal responses in those Craigslist accounts because the promiscuous females would respond to the promiscuous males and the promiscuous males would respond to the promiscuous females. Take it a step further. Think about your your co-host panel on this show. You guys are, are are comprised of both men and women. And think about how you would respond to this challenge. If I said to all of you on the panel, I said, "Listen, I have a I have a proposition. If you can go out and you can find somebody that you don't know, so you've never met them before, and you can't pay them, you can't give them any money, and you have to have you have to find someone to have sex with in the next hour. If you can find somebody the next hour that you don't know and you don't pay for it, okay." I'll give you a million dollars, but if not, you have to give me $10,000. Something tells me that most women in the room would accept that proposition because women just being women know that they can get sex whenever they want because there's always a willing guy, where males <laughs> are unlikely to take that scenario because they're like, how am I going to find a girl in the next hour to have sex with me that I don't know and that I'm not paying, and I sure as hell don't want to spend $10,000. Again, gender difference. I didn't say you know, host, male host A, and male host B are going to give two different answers because one 's more attractive than the other. Both males know it's unlikely and and even a woman who may not be attracted by social standards still can probably go out and and find somebody that'll have sex with her within the next hour without having to pay him or without having to know him and that I so think, Dave, is uh-huh sure
5: i I have a question with that though so how do you explain lesbians who cheat if you say men are wired to cheat? How do you explain two women in a relationship and one woman cheat?
6: Well, again, women, lesbian women and straight women really aren't any different, just as lesbian or gay men and straight men are the same when it comes to sexuality, even even gay men like multiple partners, young partners, etc. cetera. Now, so when you're talking about a female lesbian cheating or a female straight woman cheating, you're talking about a, a basically a female cheating, and females cheat uh, when something in the primary relationship isn't met. So what I would argue is, if you have two lesbians that are in a relationship and they're both attracted to each other, they both respect each other's profession and they're both emotionally invested, physically invested, and financially invested in each other, that they won't cheat. That they're cheating because something is lacking from that relationship. I'm not arguing that women don't cheat. Women cheat, but they cheat for a reason. It's not genetic in them. Just like I'm, not, I'm arguing that if people have a job, I'm not saying everybody's going to quit their job. The only people that are going to quit their jobs are the people who aren't happy in their jobs. I mean, clearly people quit their jobs. But the difference is the male desire for variety is ingrained in our genetics. It's ingrained in our DNA for all the reasons we talked about earlier, especially the idea of getting our genetics into the future. We have a lower cost of sex. It doesn't cost us anything to have sex. This is why women don't go out and mate indiscriminately. It's not in their interest. I mean, you know, if a woman just went out and had sex with everybody, she's going to get pregnant and have no, no social support for that baby, and that's not good, and that's why um, women behave the way that they do. It's the same way you jump when you see a snake. You know, people who avoided snakes over evolutionary time were more likely to survive. So when you see a stick that you think is a snake, it's better to jump and say, oh, crap, a snake, even if it's not, because if you didn't do that and you relax in that capacity, now you're dead. So men and women both equally jump when they see snakes uh, or things that look like snakes for those reasons. But they don't do that when they see an electrical socket, even though more people die from electrical sockets than snake bites. Why? Because we didn't face electrical circuits over evolutionary time. Those are very new inventions from, from, you know, when you're talking about hundreds of thousands of years of evolution versus, you know, the last hundred years of building code, right? Um, You know, why people don't freak out when they see a pool, even though more babies die in a pool than they do um, from other things. But we don't naturally uh, jump at the pool, even though a lot of babies are naturally afraid of snakes as well because it's involved in their evolutionary uh, brains. But,
2: Dave, not to cut you off, but I I think, you know, some would say that you're objectifying men and women too much. And, you know, for the listener who's out there who has been a female listener, who has been heartbroken, devastated by a recent, recent breakup because her husband or her male partner did cheat on her. What, how do you respond when that person says, I think you're just being too callous, um, you're being too you're objectifying people too much and you're not taking in consideration the the you know, moral compass, um fidelity, you know, things of that nature.
3: Well you're mean, making it, it, it sound it?
2: like men are just cheating beings and no man will ever be faithful, no man can ever
6: control himself
2: well, when I say that's that. I, not necessarily
3: say, true.
6: Well, I say that we gotta remember just because a man wants to cheat doesn't mean he can cheat. So contrast a guy like Denzel Washington, who's very attractive, who has social status, who has resources. Denzel Washington, I can almost guarantee, is cheating because he's high value. You know, he, He's a male, so he wants to cheat. I'm sure there's wow. plenty of people that are interested in him. Right Now, take a guy who works at McDonald's that lives with his mother and dropped out of high school, Okay, and let's make him short as well. So if he's short, he lives at home, and he has a low income and low social status, He wants to cheat, too. He just doesn't have anybody to cheat with. You know what I mean? So I. Not always true. Usually. Well, usually, because most women are not attracted to that, even in a casual environment. And the thing is, is, you know, I tell women, I'm like, listen, if you want to minimize your chances of somebody cheating on you, you're better off dating a low-value mate. Date someone who doesn't have a good job. Date somebody who's short. But they don't want to do that. They're like, oh, I want to date the high-value male who won't cheat on me. And that's like saying, I want to have the Ferrari, but I don't want to pay three hundred thousand dollars for it. It's like, well, if you want the Ferrari, it's three hundred thousand. If you want the Kia, it's ten thousand. Well, I want the Ferrari, but I want to pay the Kia price. Well, it doesn't work that way, you know. If you want monogamy, you have to, you have to, or at least a, a better probability of monogamy, then you have to date someone who's less likely to have an okay. opportunity. Now listen, and I listen. I have to. You ask. Think,
3: all of this is Dave, documented. Dave,
6: I, I, I get Sure.
3: I've, I'm not. I've, I've seen some of the same research. I do have to ask one question. Genetically, you're saying that men are programmed, designed to have sex as much as possible, basically. Right. How do you explain the man who looks good, has a good job, has no problem getting women, doesn't cheat, or do they well, just not exist? Are they like unicorns?
6: Well, I'm saying that that. Well, first of all, there's two two points. One is I'm saying, generally speaking, they don't exist. That they're just telling their wife that they don't cheat, much like Bill Clinton did on national television. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. I did not have – and then they found out that he did. It's easy for a guy to say that he's not cheating. I mean, most guys are going to say that. I mean, most guys are going to meet a girl. If there's an attractive girl – and here's where the economics comes in. If there's an attractive girl in the population and there's five guys that are vying for her, let's just say there's one girl and five guys in the population – well, let's say there's got to be more. Let's say there's there's five girls and five guys in the population, and everybody wants the most attractive girl. So, two guys are honest and say, I'm, "I desire having sex with you and the other girls, the other four girls here in the room." And the other three guys say, "Nope, not me. I'm monogamous." Now, the girl, just being a woman, is going to gravitate towards the one who say, "I'm monogamous." No sane female is going to say, "Oh, give me the non-monogamous guy." So, guys, in the same way that, that you know we've learned to be afraid of snakes we've evolved to say that we're going to be faithful and that all this kind of stuff. Now what happens? So the guy who told the woman he's going to be faithful gets the woman. Cause she, let's say she picks, you know, the most the one she likes the most out of the three, which is probably the most tall, the most personable, the most social status resources, et cetera. So she's with him. Now he ends up cheating anyways. And then she finds out about it. And then she says the universal female line that everybody's heard. It's not that you cheated. It's that you lied, <laughs> but he had to lie, otherwise, he would have never gotten the girl to begin with because she would have been kicked out from the beginning. The only guys that can sort of uh, withhold or sustain the honesty are guys who are extremely high mate value that know that they can go out and find another girl the next day, and it's okay that they get rejected by 20 girls because they know that they'll get another one soon. Uh, most guys have to give that impression that they're going to be monogamous. Now, there's another study called The Heat of the Moment by Dan. Ariely and George Lowenstein, that was done at Berkeley. And what they did is they asked guys in a cold state, meaning a non-aroused state, would you cheat on your wife? No. Would you have sex with an old woman? No. Would you have sex with an overweight woman? No, et cetera, et cetera. Then what they did is they gave them laptops, and they wrapped the laptops up in silicone and they let them take them, or, you know, saran wrap, and they let them take the laptops home, and they instructed them to watch their favorite porn, and once they're aroused, close to ejaculation, or, you know, to, to start the program. So they did. They started the program, and then they asked the same questions. Would you cheat on your wife? Yes. Will you have sex with an older woman? Yes. Will you have sex you know, with an overweight woman? Yes, because now these people are around. Think about when you go to a big dinner. You just gorged yourself. You had a whole pizza and some dessert and a bunch of soda, and you're completely nourished. You have no desire for food, and you say, my diet starts now. I'm eating like a pig. I'm going to start eating healthy today. And what happens the next day for most people, they get hungry again, and when they can choose between the salad and the cheeseburger, most of them go for the cheeseburger because, you know, they're like, oh, now I'm hungry again. That, that system has been activated. So I believe when a guy I'm – not, I'm not suggesting that guys are these manipulative of going out and just lying to all these girls. What I'm suggesting is that I think guys honestly, only because they haven't studied this and they haven't researched it, I, I believe they believe they're going to be faithful and they, and they want to be faithful, but they're not aroused. And then when they're on a business trip – And some girl in a low-cut top comes onto them, puts her hand on his lap, and starts stroking his junk and says, really attractive. What are you doing later? Here's my room number. He's now aroused, and and research shows from from the studies that they've actually done, where they've actually done this and set this up, the guy almost invariably knocks on the door and goes to her house. And it doesn't matter if he's married or if he's single because most guys don't anticipate the opportunity. Think of it like this. You go to a job interview, right? There's only a few good jobs. There's more people competing for a few good jobs, right? And we know that when people win the lottery, scientifically, that people quit their jobs. When you win the lottery, there's nothing else to winning the lottery than an inflow of money. It's purely money. And you go to a job interview and you say, why do you want this job? And if you're honest and you say, because I need the money, you're not going to get the job. That's the girl saying, are you going to cheat on me? Now, if you lie and you tell the job what it wants to hear, you know, I really like the challenge. I've always wanted to develop products for procter and gamble and i want to you know really work with really smart people and all this thing which wouldn't change if you won the lottery yet people still quit you know you tell the job that it wants to hear so that they hire you and when they hire you if you win the lotto you quit but you don't anticipate that you're going to win the lotto so it's easy to say nope i just want the challenge and all this kind of stuff and most guys don't anticipate that some hot girl is going to come up to them and offer it themselves sexually so they say they're going to be faithful, and they probably mean it. But who do women throw themselves at? Denzel Washington, you know what I mean? George Clooney, lead singers of rock bands, uh, you know, Tim McGraw, you know, 50 Cent, you know, Eminem. I mean, look at Howard Stern. The guy's ugly, the guy's the guy's ugly to look at, Howard Stern. If he worked at McDonald's, no girl would be interested in him. But he has a very attractive wife, and he's had very attractive girlfriends before that. Why? because he's tall, he has social status, he's funny, he, can, he possesses the traits that women desire. And I get that women don't like to hear. I mean, my, you know, my goal isn't to come on here and try to make everybody feel good. I'm just, I'm giving you the economics of the situation. You know, if there are guys that are faithful versus non-faithful, then why do you see this, uh, these academic research studies where guys don't know what's happening, and it doesn't matter if they're in relationships or not, when they still end up calling the girl who gave them the opportunity to call them. Uh, which was predicted based on the girls' attractiveness level. Why the, why the gender difference in Craigslist? I mean, if there's slutty girls and slutty guys and non-slutty girls and non-slutty guys, why not equal distribution of emails across the inboxes? Why is it that when you go to any escort service where people are paying for nondescript sex, why is it that it's always female escort service companies? And why is it that when there are males that they're actually going out to gay men and not to straight women? I mean, there's so many economic forces there's so many psychological forces, there's so many data points, and we have the primological data and the psychology theory that all points to the same thing. So instead of trying to deny what's actually happening, if women would out, just think, listen, the best thing a woman can say is this, stand how men are. I, I get how guys are. My husband has never given me the indication that he's cheating, ever. Like I've, I've never seen it. So he might be, I don't know, but if I ever find out, then I'll take him in the balls, you know, or whatever she wants to say. That's an honest approach, because in the same way that you can say to a guy, why don't you just not cheat, I could correspondingly say back to you, why don't you just not care? And no matter how much data I give you or any woman, she's not going to accept it. And no matter what you say to a guy, he's not going to deny the opportunity if given with low risk of discovery, despite what some will say to increase social value, especially if their wives or friends are listening. Um, It's easier to just be pragmatic and realistic about it. And if you read my book at ObsceneThoughts.com, You'll, you'll see more arguments, and keep in mind that my book won the uh, Psychology Award at the, Amer- at the 2014 Book of the Year Award for the American Library Association. It was an Amazon bestseller. It has a foreword from a prominent anthropologist in Syracuse, and it's been blurred by public health uh, professors, psychologists, and economists. So you have this academic backing, and you know, I, I don't know what, what more convincing case I could make, especially when you look in, in society – just you know and by the way, to prove me wrong, just one more thing, all these people are running. You guys talked about the election earlier, right? I would be shocked if Hillary Clinton, who's already been cheated on, or Carly Fioni, the h p girl, if it becomes discovered that they had affairs on their husbands i I would be surprised, but I would not be surprised if Donald Trump or any of the conservative guys, even the guys like Ted Cruz and Scott Walker, who are you know Christian values, you know family values guys. I would not be surprised in the slightest if they cheated, not because they're Christian, but because they're men. And I think that that speaks volumes.
2: Well, Dave, Dave, you mentioned your book. uh, How can people get in contact with you and follow you and things of that nature?
6: Sure. If you go to ObsceneThoughts.com, you can um, buy the book there. There's an audiobook version, a Kindle version, and a paperback version. Um, And you can also watch other interviews that I've done on there, and you can read the editorial, you know, the non-biased editorial reviews, and you can link to the Book of the Year stuff and see the Amazon bestseller screenshots. Um, You can also go to a a website called RiskyBusinessTheMovie.com. Again, RiskyBusinessTheMovie.com, which is a documentary about the political and public health aspects of the adult film industry. We sort of talk about that, but a lot of people are interested in that as well. And my bio website is pornographyexpert.com. If you go to pornographyexpert.com, you'll see my bio, and you can actually ha- I have links to government studies, to academic talks, all the stuff that we. If you're listening to this show, if, just, if one of your listeners is listening to this, and is just interested in the topic and wants to learn more, go to pornographyexpert.com. You know, just watch some of the academic videos and, and listen to the theory, um, and 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 I think you'll start thinking about things differently. And once – they always say, you know, happiness is expectations minus reality. I think too many women have their expectations set way too high from romance novels and chick flicks that when they find out their guy cheated, it's a huge letdown. But once you actually have the expectation that guys are, are very likely to cheat, when it happens, it becomes less of an impact and you're less burdened and you're less likely to ruin your otherwise perfectly happy marriage because you don't have this false expectation. And that's what I'm trying to do is to set realistic expectations for both men and women uh, when it comes to dating. Well, Dave,
2: again, thank you for that information because, you know, knowledge is power. And thank you for providing that information to our listeners. Um, Definitely something to explore and read more into. And thank you for being on the show tonight.
6: Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Thanks.
2: All right. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. Well, you know, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and, of course, we want you to stay tuned. We want you to call in your, call in for questions because we're going to have professional athlete Dre Baldwin come on and tell us how we can work on our game. You're listening to Let's Face It.
7: My name is Paul. Two years ago, I received a kidney transplant. For seven and a half years, I was a patient receiving dialysis.
4: But after my transplant, my strength and energy came back. I was able to find and marry the love of my life. I appreciate being able to be the husband that she deserves. My kidney transplant gave me my life back.
3: You have the power to donate life. Be an organ, eye, and tissue donor. To find out how, go today to DonateLife.net.
2: This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out.
4: For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Welcome back to Let's Face It. Our next guest this evening, he is an author, he's a pro-athlete, and he's a personal branding and marketing expert. He has over 4,000 YouTube videos through his brand names of Dre All Day and Work On Your Game. With a nine-year professional basketball career, Dre now helps businesses, entrepreneurs, and brand owners reach new levels of success. Please help me welcome to the show. Please help me welcome Mr. Dre Baldwin. How are you, Dre?
7: Doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. How are you?
4: We're doing good. We're doing good. We're doing really good. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, I I just wanted to ask you, Dre, you know, with your image, uh, you know, being a professional athlete, but you're really, really known for your marketing platform that you built through YouTube, pretty Mm -hmm. much. Can you take a moment to really share your athletic background, and then why did you transition to marketing YouTube, marketing on YouTube,
7: Yeah, well, my background is I'm originally from Philadelphia, PA, and now reside in South Florida. When I graduated from college, which is Penn State Altoona, in 2004, I knew my goal was to become a professional athlete. I knew I would probably start my career playing overseas. I ended up playing my whole career overseas for nine years. And during that time period, there were some years where I was signed to a contract when I was playing for a team, and there were some years when I wasn't able to get a contract. And at one point, probably around – 2000 and maybe 2009, 2010, I realized I needed, I needed to take some control over everything that I was doing. But even before that, back in 2006, I had a VHS tape from an exposure camp I had went to. An exposure camp, for those who don't know, is basically the athlete's version of a job fair. So, you know, at a job okay. fair, you grab your resume, you put your suit on, you walk around, you shake hands, you hand out your resume at an exposure camp you're getting seen the same way by those same decision makers, except they're managers, agents, coaches, and scouts, and you're actually playing your sport, proving that you're ex- that you're good, that you can perform or whatever sport it is that you play. So I went okay. to one of those exposure camps in 2005, uh, almost 10 years ago to the date, played well at that camp, and they actually gave us footage of those the camp on what back then was a VHS tape. I'm sure you remember VHS.
4: Yeah, I A lot I do. of people might <laughs> not. Big, so big, I had yeah.
7: it on the VHS tape. Right. I had it on a VHS tape. I knew that tape wouldn't survive over the years, so I wanted to get it into a digital format. So I took it to an audiovisual store, got it put on the CD, got the CD into my computer, put that on this brand-new video website called YouTube.com, and that was 2006. Wow. And as I left that video up there, that was really just for me to watch for myself. It wasn't really for me to show off because nobody knew who I was at that point. I hadn't even signed wow. a contract to play anywhere professionally yet. But people found that video somehow, and I went back to the video maybe a couple months later, and I saw all these comments on the video. People were like, hey, who did you play for? Who taught you? Can you make some more videos? Can you explain how you do this and how you do that? So I kind of just went off the energy of the fans for those videos, but I wasn't really taking YouTube seriously for the first three or so years. It was only around 2009, 2010, catching up on the story, When I had many situations where I wasn't able to get a playing contract, some years I would, some years I wouldn't, and some years I get a contract in the middle of the season, some years I get a shorter deal, things like that. So I said I need to do something that gives me more control over my professional life, not just with basketball, but just period. I had already been blogging even since uh, 2005. I started blogging on a free platform called Blogger all the way back then, that morphed into what became my website, which I called com, which you mentioned. And at that point, I realized that, hey, if I start taking this YouTube thing seriously, I can kind of build out, even though I'm still playing professional basketball, I can build out a brand name that is bigger than what I'm doing even as a basketball player, because there are 10,000 players playing professional basketball internationally in the world, Americans, that is, playing professional uh-huh. basketball internationally in the world. But as far as what I was gonna do, as far as building my brand on YouTube, being the first person publishing basketball videos on YouTube, you know, taking that into having my own website and kind of building a brand name for myself, to the point that a lot of people know me from YouTube, my website. Don't even know that I play basketball professionally. They know right. that I'm into basketball, but they don't even know anything about my career. The fact is, now the two, at 2015, catching up in the story, more people know me for that than they know me for actually playing. And if you ask the average casual fan to name 10 guys who play basketball overseas, they can't name them. But mm. if you ask somebody to name who you watch on YouTube, they can name 30 people. So it was a mm. bigger audience, actually, That's what I came to find out. And that kind of, that was the beginning of everything. My foray into entrepreneurship when, I, when was when I started really taking control of my career with the YouTube and with my website while at the same time I was playing professional basketball.
0: So, Dre, this is Nate Whitfield. I have a question now. Okay. You say Mike? What does. Say it again?
7: You say is it Mike? you say your name? Nate. Mike? Nate. Okay, what's going on Nate? Yeah.
0: So, what does your work on your game mean, and where did the phrase come from?
7: Well, I'll answer the second question first. Where it came from was in 2009. It was when I had started making a few more videos on YouTube. People I was making sporadically maybe every two weeks, maybe every two months, whenever I got around to it, and I was getting a lot of comments, a lot of feedback from viewers, and they were all asking me the same thing. Can you give me some tips on how to get better? Can you give me some advice on how to make the basketball team can you get can you help me out? I need help to get better at basketball and I felt like a lot of them were only asking these questions just because I was available and I would respond to a lot of the comments, but they weren't really looking inward they weren't looking to themselves to figure it out but instead they were coming to me like hey help me out i need help i need tips i need advice and one day i was making a video and in that video i was really just talking i was just talking off the top of my head which is where the majority of my videos come from the ones where i'm doing commentary and i was just responding to those questions and i told those kids listen the problem is the problem that you're having with your game doesn't have anything to do with me or anybody else or your coach or your parents or your friends The challenge is what you're doing is you're watching TV, you're playing on your Xbox, you're hanging around with your friends on the corner, you're doing everything except improving your skills, and that's the reason why you're not getting the results you want. So what you need to do is turn off the TV, turn off the Xbox, don't even watch this video. This is what I said in the video. I said don't even watch the rest of this YouTube video. You need to get your ball, get out on the court, and go work on your game. And I wasn't even trying to point a phrase or anything like that. It wasn't predetermined, but when people saw that video, everybody's comment was, wow, like what you said, work on your game. That makes perfect sense. That kind of sums up everything that you're about, Dre, work on your game. So I kind of just took that and ran with it. And people ask, what does work on your game mean? Work on your game, in one word to describe it, means discipline. Because any, any area that you're in, whether it be radio, whether it be basketball, if you're a professional speaker, if you're a teacher, if you're a doctor, a lawyer, if you're an architect, you have to be disciplined enough to, first of all, develop your skills, because no matter how much, confidence you have, no matter how many great ideas you have, how many people are helping well. If you don't have the skills to actually deliver, if you get on stage and you can't deliver, then you're not going to get another opportunity. So the number one thing will work in your game is be disciplined enough to develop your skill level so that when you have the opportunities, you can actually deliver on it. Great advice.
4: I'm just kind of disciplined. That's number one. I'm writing all this down, Dre. Okay, so okay. you said... V- Video is the next frontier of marketing, and then you turn actually a hundred dollar camera and just an idea into a brand and a business. So share mm-hmm. with our listeners how you made all this happen, because I'm still fascinated that you were you were playing basketball. You know, you decided to mm-hmm. blog, and then you you posted some things on what we now know as I call it the the worldwide free university, because you can learn anything on YouTube. You're instantly international Absolutely. with with, with mm-hmm. YouTube. So. Share it with our listeners how you made all this happen with just that.
7: Well the first thing I put out that video off the VHS tape that I mentioned back in two thousand and six. Right. I didn't even at the time I didn't even own a digital camera. So what I did was probably that after that first year I hadn't put up anything else. I only had that one video up there that people were leaving comments like, Hey, who you play for, who taught you, can you teach me how to do this? Can you make more vids on that? And I hadn't made another video because I didn't even have a camera to make a video with. So on my birthday, my birthday's in February, my birthday 2007, I got my first digital camera. It was about a $100 camera. And all I did was take that camera with me to the gym. And at this time, I'm going to the gym every single morning. I actually worked at the gym at the time. So I'm going to a gym every single morning and working on my own game by myself. All I did then was just bring the camera and just start recording myself. So I took the same stuff I was already doing every day, I just started filming it. I would take that camera, plug it into the computer, edit the video a little bit, and put it up on YouTube. So that's how my that's how my videos begin. It was just me doing the stuff that I would be doing anyway, filming right. it and putting it up online. And then around probably around two thousand and nine when Google actually purchased YouTube, people started paying a lot more attention to YouTube. So I decided, hey, why don't I start taking it a little bit more seriously Let me see if I can start putting out video on a more consistent basis. So I, I had this crazy idea. I said, listen, I go to the gym every day. Why not just put out a video every day? But the problem with that was I didn't know if I had 30 days' worth of ideas. I said, let me just try it for a month to see how it goes. I didn't know if I had 30 days' worth of ideas. I thought I would run out of ideas in about 10 days. I said, So I said, let me write down every single thing I know about playing basketball, and I'll see how many videos I can come up with. That was in the fall of uh, almost six years ago to date. So it's been over, if you actually calculate it out, it's been over 4,000 days since then or 2,000 days since then, and I haven't missed a day since. So now I actually recently just passed 4,500 videos on YouTube. I tell people I'm going to at least 10,000 with it. I've got enough content and ideas to keep going with it on the court and off the court stuff. So that's really where it came from is that, Me just deciding to take it a little bit more seriously, I wrote down every idea I had. And the thing is, every time I put out a video, somebody would leave a comment saying, hey, well, why don't you do this? And then I would take that idea, I would write that down. So every time I got a new idea, I would write it down. That's the most important thing. I don't trust my long-term memory to remember stuff. Anytime I get a good idea, I write it down. I keep it somewhere that I can reference it later. And then one thing I learned is that I can combine ideas because I could take idea number one and idea number six. Combine those mm-hmm. together, and now you got idea number seven. And
5: then they exactly. just kept
7: they just kept uh, regenerating itself, regenerating off his own energy. And again, every time I put something new out, somebody would watch it and say, "Okay, well, why don't you talk about this? So why don't you make a video about that?" And it would be something I haven't thought of yet. And it just keeps going like that to this very day. So Dre, one of the things I love is the self
0: discipline that you talk about and. One of your advices that you give is that you don't need any more advice. You already know what to do, um, what mm-hmm. you need to do, and how you're going to do it. So can you explain to entrepreneurs who are consistently seeking
7: new information, knowledge, and connections
0: how this is true?
7: Yeah, it's very simple. In this In the world that we live in now, just like it was mentioned a couple minutes ago, you can learn anything on YouTube. If someone wants to get on their computer and look at one YouTube video, you know when you finish a video, they give you a suggestion of about 20 more videos. You could literally spend an entire day on YouTube gathering information, watching videos, learning new things, watching something funny. You could spend an entire day just gathering information, whether that be written information, whether that be video information, whether that be talking to somebody with information. Information is not the difference between success and achievement. A lot of people think that it is. It's really not because information is freely available to everybody. Anybody could technically get information if they wanted to. The difference between success and failure is a decision. People had to make the decision that they're going to be successful, and it's not always about who has more information. It's just about who has made a stronger decision to be successful because if you – if two people both decide to do the – two people both had the exact same information, went to the exact same schools, come from the exact same environment, but one of them could be ten times more successful than the other person. It happens all the time in life. That doesn't have anything to do with the information because the information was equal. One person just had more leverage on themselves, more motivation, whatever you want to call it, more reason to be successful. So overall, it's not more information. Let's If we talk about, let's say, the situation of an entrepreneur, they want to start a business. Once you have the nuts and bolts, there is a minimum amount of information you need to start anything to, to know what to do. But once you have the basics, the nuts and bolts, what happens to a lot of people these days is they get into, I'm sure, what you heard of, analysis paralysis. I so mean, mm-hmm. they're thinking about, oh, maybe I could do it this way, maybe I could do it that way. Let me read another book. Let me get some more information. I don't want to start till I till I get my business cards or I got to register my LLC. I'm not mm-hmm. doing anything till so I do that. And people basically, they come up with reasons and excuses, more excuses than it is a reason, excuses to not take action. Because a lot of times people are afraid of what's going to happen if they take action and something doesn't work out, if they fail. And what's happening these days now, a lot of people are getting afraid of success. They don't want to be too successful because they're afraid of what people are going to say about them. They're afraid of leaving their friends behind. They're afraid of the... They're afraid of the attention that could possibly come to them if they get too much success because people are going to try to pull them down or at least they think that's what's going to happen. So a lot of times people stop themselves from ever taking any action because they're worried about everything that might happen along the way when actually right. nothing is actually happened. You know, one thing Mark Twain says, I've had a lot of great, uh, what is the quote? He said, I've had a lot of great grievances or great tragic tragedies that have happened to me, 90% of which never actually took place. I'm paraphrasing, but... You know, people kind of stop themselves because they're thinking about what might go wrong when nothing has actually even happened to them because they haven't taken any action. So
0: basically you're saying just apply the information and then learn as you go.
7: Exactly. You definitely, definitely have to learn as you go because you're not going to know 100% of how to do anything until you've actually been through it. It's just like if you started at a job, your first day at a job, you don't know how everything worked but you act like you do so they at least keep you on the job and eventually you learn it, but you can't wait to you know everything before you take action. Because you'll never take hey, action. Jack. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Great y- y-
4: yeah, very good advice. And that's really one of the issues that I, I struggle with. Um, to me, I think I over-prepare. Nate will probably tell you um, a lot of opportunities I've, Talk myself out of because I'm saying I'm trying to get prepared for something. I need to work on something. I need to get more advice on something. And then, you know, and I end up not even doing anything on it because I'm I'm spending too much time trying to prepare or talk. Really talking myself out of doing something out of fear of failure. So I definitely understand a lot mm-hmm. of the tips that you you just shared. But you also talk about don't blame the mirror. You say how to do an honest self analysis. You know that will show you exactly
7: what you're missing. Tell us a little bit more about that. When I say don't blame the mirror, that basically means if you were to give yourself, if you were to honestly analyze yourself, any individual out there, the mirror is going to show you exactly what you are. The mirror doesn't tell any lies. It tells you exactly what you are, shows you exactly what you're doing. You can look at the results of your actions in a, with 100% clarity. So you can't blame the mirror for showing you exactly what you are. That's what that means. So when people are... A lot of people, they don't want to look honestly at their own situations. Just yesterday, matter of fact, I was talking to this woman who had said, you know, I don't think I'm going to get involved in, uh, I don't want to do a certain business because I've seen a bunch of people try it and it didn't work. And my mom tried this. My mom tried business and it didn't work. And a bunch of people I know tried it or they tried to get me to do business with them and it didn't work. They're all just trying to get something from me. And I said, listen, well, and the way she was explaining her situation, I'll basically analyze it. She didn't really fail in any of her business endeavors. She had basically quit. She had quit in all of her business. And I said, listen, you didn't fail in any of your businesses. You quit. And she kind of took it personally. She was offended by the fact that I pointed out that she had quit, but it was actual fact. And I said, if there's anything that I'm saying here wrong, if, it's, if I'm incorrect, correct me. Tell me that you didn't quit. And she, did, she wanted to change the subject. The fact of the matter is, the mirror is going to tell you exactly what your situation is. If you haven't put in the work, you haven't applied yourself, you haven't worked on your game, you didn't come prepared, as prepared as you needed to be, and you came up short, then there's nobody to blame. And there's nothing wrong with coming up short because if you aim high enough, often enough, you have enough ambition, you're going to come up short often. It's going to happen a lot. You aren't going to hit your goals. You're going to hit your goals much less often than you actually miss your goals depending on how ambitious you are. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But own your own it when you come up short. Own it when you make a mistake. Own it when you fail to prepare. Own it when your confidence wasn't high enough. Own it when you weren't disciplined enough. Just don't blame anybody else. If somebody points it out to you, don't blame them for pointing it out. If the mirror is showing you who you are, don't break the mirror. You got to change what you're seeing in the mirror. Exactly. Well, I that yeah, well, that's, that's, that's giving me a lot
0: of. Uh, Things to think about, even with this school year that's coming up, this semester coming up, I'm a performance major, Mm. and as a performance major, you know, I do have to take a lot of rehearsals myself before I even get to my voice teacher or even the stage, so just owning up to the fact that if I didn't do my part, I can't expect for it to be good when I get to his part. And I know it's going to be good when I get to the stage. So I really appreciate that information. So as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. as of a motivational speaker, what's the greatest mm-hmm. advice that you can give someone that's trying to be more motivated um, to get to the self-discipline aspect of their life or their career? What What is the best advice would you give them?
7: Best advice I could give an individual in that situation is to find out what it is that really drives you. Because a lot of times in life, people, you ask somebody what really drives them, what's their real motivation, they'll tell you what sounds good. They'll tell you what sounds good or what's acceptable amongst their peer group. You know, everyone, you ask someone, why do they work the way that they work? And you get, is like, the same three or four answers all the time, or I want to make a whole lot of money, or I want to retire my parents or I want to take care of my kids. And not to say that those aren't real reasons, but everybody in the world doesn't have those exact same reasons. We all have different motivations. So first of all, you had to give yourself kind of like what we talked about before with the mirror. You had to give yourself an honest analysis, an honest self-analysis. What is it that really motivates me? When I was doing my best work, and it's not me personally, but I'm saying anyone who's thinking this, When I was doing my best work, when I've had my best performances in life, when I've gotten my best results, what is it that I was doing? What was I thinking? What was it that moved me to action? What was it that drove me to do the things that I was doing at that time in life and on that particular day when I passed that test, when I had that many points in the game? What was my mindset that day or my mindset during that season or my mindset during that school year? What was it that was motivating me? And then from there you drill down to what got me into that mindset. Was it something that somebody said? Was it something that I watched? Was it something that I heard? Was it some circumstance I was going through in my life? Was there a certain group of people that I was around at the time? And then you find out exactly what it is that was moving you to that point, and all you had to do from there is put yourself in that situation again. Put yourself, Whatever it is that moved you to your best performance in life, you recreate that. And then find out what it is that motivates you, and you put those two together, and then you'll be able to create your best accomplishments. But it can't be what you think is going to be accessible to other people. And the main thing with that is you don't even have to share it with anybody else. I tell people all the time my my videos, you have to find out what is most important to you, but it's not about you telling me. It's not about you telling your friends. It's not about it being accepted by anybody. You can keep that private. But you got to be honest with yourself about what it is. If you're not being honest with yourself, then it's not going to mo- motivate you enough because it's not real, and then you're not going to be you're not going to have that motivation. You won't have that inspiration. Exactly. You won't take the right actions the right way, and you won't get the right results. Exactly. Mm. Mm.
4: That is awesome information. I know that you also, as we said before, you work with brand owners and businesses and entrepreneurs in enhancing their online presence. And, you know, reaching consumers through leveraging their emerging tools,
1: their um, imaging
4: tools and branding and marketing. So what are some of your biggest mistakes? Because I know I, I make a lot. I read a lot of books. But I see that I'm making a lot of mistakes. What are some of the mistakes that you see that other people make? Hello? Yeah.
0: Dre, are you still here?
4: I think we're having some technical problems. I'm not sure if Mr. Baldwin got dropped. Okay, not sure what happened with Mr. Uh-huh. Baldwin. Hopefully, he will call back in. Um, he was sharing information. Yeah, some he was good information. Some really good information. Yeah. Very good information. I, I'm making a note. Hopefully, he'll call back in. Um, please give us a call back, Mr. Baldwin. But um, just reviewing some of the information, some of the things that I'm dealing with is I definitely need to take an honest self analysis, look at myself in the mirror. And I like what he said. Think about the time pretty much when you were performing. At
0: 100. At the greatest. Um, yeah. Me, yeah.
4: At your greatest. And I know for you, Nate, that's probably when you're on stage. I think that's really, yeah. I think you really come alive. I really see all your potential when you're on stage. And the same pretty much for me, like when I'm doing a presentation, especially when I'm at a media event. Um, mm-hmm. For some reason, it just kicks back in as, as far as the, the confidence and feel, really feeling like I'm walking in my purpose. So, um, I think that's good. I, like
0: infra- I like the what advice of of stop trying to figure it out. You know, just get out you there and do it. do it. You know, you exactly. have the information. You have what you need to to get the task done. so for me, you know, like with singing, I know yeah. that I need to do the rehearsal aspect of it. So if I don't do well, that you, part of it, I can't <laughs> complain about anything. Hello, can you so. hear me? Oh, yeah. Dre, you back. Welcome
4: back. Welcome back. We were just Welcome talking about back. all the information that you've given us and that we can apply yeah, to both of our situations.
7: Yeah, I can hear you talking, you me. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool.
4: But we were talking about the, the mistakes that you normally see in um, when people when you get, when you – I'm talking to them about improving their online presence. Mm-hmm.
7: I okay, you, know what you is, what said the mistakes that people make? Yeah, hmm Well, the first thing is, it's funny because it kind of ties into what we talked about before. Let's say I'm having a conversation with someone I just met and they ask me, What do I do? And let's say I mention, You know, I'm on YouTube, I have a website, you know, I have a, a following online. They'll say something like, Almost all the time this happens, they say, You know what? I've been thinking about getting on YouTube and making some videos. <laughs> or, You know, Jerry, I've been thinking about starting my own website and starting a blog. And my question is always, Well, what stops you? Why aren't you doing yeah. it? Uh, they'll say something like, uh, Well, They'll come up with some lame excuse. They'll say something like, well, I don't know what I would talk about. And then usually I'm really good at coming up with ideas. So I say, well, what what is it that you would, why would you even start in the first place? What do you talk about? I remember I was talking to this girl. She was a a salsa dancer. And I said to her, okay, well, what are the top three misconceptions people have about salsa dancing? She answered the question. I said, what's the difference between salsa dancing and merengue dancing? She answered it. I said, what is the, number one mistake that a man makes when he first comes to salsa classes when it comes to dancing with a female dancer. She answered the question. I asked her about ten questions. She answered each one of them like like it was nothing. She's an expert at salsa dancing. I said, listen, conversation we just had, those are your first ten YouTube videos. Those are your first ten blog posts. So go ahead and put those on Facebook. You can put it on your camera. you got a phone. Everybody's phone has a camera. You can record it right there on your phone. You can upload it to YouTube. From your phone, you already have Internet access. You already have everything you need to start a YouTube channel. You can start a blog for free. Neither one of them costs any money. So there's nothing stopping anybody from doing it. So the number one mistake people make when it comes to building their following or building a brand online is that they don't do anything. They are thinking about what should I do or they're thinking about doing it. They already know what they should do, but they're thinking so much about doing it that they never take any action. Second thing, second mistake people make is that they don't, they're don't. they not clear on what it is that they want to put out there on the Internet. What is it that you want to talk about? Why do you want to talk about it? Because one thing is to be talking about a certain topic. Like, I could start a blog talking about radio, radio shows. So I can start a blog talking about what's going on in the presidential election. But if I'm not really passionate about it, I, it's not something that I'm really into that seriously, then that's going to come off, and nobody's really going to pay attention to it because I'm not saying anything important. So you wanna figure out what it is that you what it is that you're passionate about enough that is gonna come through in your writing, that's gonna come through in your videos, that you actually care about this topic enough that people are gonna say, Okay, this person not only has some good information but they care about what they're saying. People people right. are attracted to when you care about what you're talking about. So the second thing is you gotta actually care about what you're saying and have something that you wanna say. And the third thing I would say the mistakes that people make when it comes to building their following online is that They are trying to, and this has happened in recent years, is that they're trying to get people to come to their website. Let's say somebody starts a blog or they start a website, and they're like, well, I'm not getting a lot of traffic to my website. Well, that's because people don't know about your website. But you can share your content on the platforms where people already are and then just repurpose that content for your website. For instance, if you are a blogger and you're writing a whole bunch of blog posts on your website but nobody's coming to your website because nobody knows you, all you have to do is take those same blog posts and post them on LinkedIn. There are a million people on LinkedIn. Post your blog post on LinkedIn, the exact same content, and then at the end of your blog post on LinkedIn, just put, hey, if you want to hear more about me, go to my website, DreAllDay.com. And then people can come to my website, people who care, and then they can go to my website and learn more about me. So you don't have to drive people to your website. Go to where the people already are, and then the people who want to know more about you, they'll find out more about you because they'll see your content. They'll say, okay, I like this guy has to set." Then they'll go to your website and find out about you. So if you want to make videos, of course, put them on YouTube. This is art of a billion people on YouTube. At the end of your video, say, hey, you want to learn more about me? Sign up for my email newsletter. Come to my website, com. Go to my LinkedIn page and read my blog posts. Connect with me there. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram or whatever other channels that you're on. So go to where people already are and then drive them back to the uh, website. So don't try to make them come to the website first. Go to where they already at. Go to where the people are at and then take them from there. Great that website. is awesome
4: information. Yeah, yeah, so that's pretty much actually mm-hmm. what we're going to ask him next
7: about going to the people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's, that's, so anywhere that there are people already at, that's where you want to start at and then bring them back. Exactly. Exactly. So, w- what's next for you, man? What's next for me? Everything. <laughs> right now, I'm working on doing a. I'm going to be doing a TEDx talk. Are y'all familiar with the TEDx platform? Yeah, yes. my brother. He's he's spoken
4: on that. Yeah.
7: Okay, so I'm going to be speaking at a TEDx event in South Florida this November. So I'm actually working on putting that speech together. Also working with a few clients when it comes to marketing and branding in the South Florida area. If people want to. Build their presence online, like we've been talking about so far tonight. I uh, want to write uh, another book. I've written five so far. I haven't written anything this year as far as books go, but I'll probably write my next in 2016. Other than that, I still play ball in tournaments here and there. I don't know how much longer I'm going to do that, but I still play ball in some tournaments get some cash on the line. and <laughs> just building my brand. I'm always writing blog posts. I post to my website as far as blog posts, and I post to YouTube every single day with videos and blogs. I'm also posting on on LinkedIn, like I talked about, repurposed content from my website and driving people back to my website through there.
0: Wow. Jerry, I tell you, you've given us a wealth of information today, yeah. and I know I'm a big fan. Oh. And so happy how to do can so. Our listeners Thank you. learn more about you and your programs, and how can they follow you?
7: Uh, people want to learn more about me. Uh, my homepage is drealday. dot com. If you are on Twitter, my Twitter is at drealday. Instagram is at dre Baldwin. My Facebook page is Facebook slash work on your game. I'm on YouTube. You can just search my name, Dre Baldwin. And of course, people are not going to remember everything that I just said. So you can just Google me, Dre D R E last name Baldwin, and all those pages will come up. Awesome. Well thank
0: you yeah. again for all of the information. I hope exactly. that you'll come back and be a friend to the show, you know. Yeah, please do. And we appreciate, and appreciate you for Yes, yeah, so we appreciate you for doing the interview with us tonight. Thank you so much.
7: Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you for having me.
0: Have a good evening.
7: You too. Okay.
4: That's good information. I expect
7: wow, that was I always a lot of struggle
4: Yeah, I struggle always with um trying to get people to come in. Come to the website. By like what oh, you yeah. saying, by basically going to where they are. Go another and then other place. Content, especially sharing the same post, and then saying, you know, if you want more, you can follow me. Because I was trying to do that with the with the show website Hello. as well as with the um, the main station, trying to get people to follow us. So um, awesome information. That's some really good Hello? information. What did you learn, Nate? Okay, we're having more technical difficulties. But anyway, it was was really a good interview with him. Awesome. So coming up next week, um, we have a really good show coming up, and we're going to try to get Alicia Brown to come in and talk about what's going on next week. I know that um, it's a really special show to me because I have a lot of friends who have, um, I I don't want to use the word being a victim, but have um, suffered severe consequences at the hands of um, improper or um, illegal plastic surgery. Um, so next week we're going to talk about the high cost of beauty. We have a couple um plastic surgeons. We have a couple of people who've had some um, underground work done, and they're living with the consequences. So um, you definitely want to make sure that you tune in next week for that show. It's going to be very special. Um, I have a couple of my friends coming on to talk about their talk about their incidents if you want to go on the website let face it radio.com um tomorrow you'll be able to see actually pictures um of the work that was done to them and that they're left to walk around with every day so you want to make sure that you tune in go to
3: let's face the starlight lounge presents an evening with the progressive box moon,
0: Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just
1: saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo?
4: Send her my condolences. hi This next one's for you, too.
5: There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you.
3: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
0: What's in store for your business this week at Staples?